0: back, everybody, to another episode of Jesus, Dietrich, and Me, episode number 98. Two more episodes, and we get to be at 100. Aren't you excited? 100 episodes we've been at this? I think we're at 100, maybe 105. 100? 100. <laughs> 100. it's, it it's how <laughs> well, it feels. That doesn't matter how it feels. It's Everything that's what is it about is. how I feel, it's... Yes, Give me that. objective
1: truth, there's
0: 98 episodes, I want to believe there's then well, <laughs> <And> there's 105. <laughs> that's, that's right. So that is Pastor Jim, my name is Tyler, we get to serve as the pastors at Family of God Lutheran Church in Southwest Detroit. I wanted to, uh, just right up front, uh, I made a folly uh, the, this week, and I left, I left my microphone at home, and so I'm using the microphone that Pastor Jim usually uses. And he is going back old school. That's why you'll sound smarter. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. And uh, he's going to be using uh, the old school over the head. Looks like he's going to be telemarketing, uh, trying to sell me. Some weight loss pill or something like that. So, uh, good to be with you all again. Uh, we are going to be diving back into uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Meditations on the Psalms, uh, which is going to the book that we've been going through. We took a break last time, but we're going to dive back into it today. And I think we'll probably do it next time, and then we'll do one more. Uh, we'll, we'll have something something cool for the uh, 100th episode. Probably some kind of celebration of Bonhoeffer. I don't we haven't really talked about that. We, this is kind of something fun that we do on the side. So, but we'll uh we'll make sure that everyone is aware. Uh maybe we'll have a better of an, a little bit better of an idea next week of what we want to do for episode number 100. But today for now we are going to be back in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Meditations on the Psalms, edited edited and translated by Edwin Robertson. If you are looking for this book online, which I know I've had a couple of inquiries about it, uh the title, or the, what do they call it, the cover page? The cover page looks like uh, a person taking a, (laughs) looking out of a train, and he's taking a picture of a tree, and it goes kind of, kind of blurry. Kind of looks like you when you take a picture out of your car and trying to get the landscape or the sunset while you're driving, and it's kind of blurry. That's kind of what the front of this uh, of this book looks like. But uh, yeah, Offers meditation on the Psalms. Uh, Edwin Edwin Robertson is the uh, is the translator. And so today we're going to be on page one twenty six, talking about Psalm fifty four, verse four. Uh, But before we do that, it is time for the weekly tradition. We are going to go with Follies of the Week. Pastor Hill, you have a couple of follies this week, right? You had a couple of statistics that you're sharing with me. I am a folly, You are a folly, yes.
1: Oh, yeah. I've been reading articles lately that have been popping up all over about the decline of Christianity or maybe even uh, when will Christianity be extinguished in America. And then I looked at a christianity day survey the it's a 2022 survey what evangelicals believe now the word of caution is that the evangelicals here are these are people who identify as evangelicals and so some of the things they believe all of the things i'm going to mention are so heretical you're not christian right how about 43 percent of evangelicals believe Jesus is not God. Would that make you not Christian?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I I would say so, for sure. How about 56%
1: of professed evangelicals say Jesus isn't the only way to
0: heaven? Okay. That's definitely not.
1: Yeah, that's not good, right? How about 73% of evangelicals answer yes to whether Jesus is created or not?
0: Mm-hmm. Ah, the old Aryan heresy. Yeah.
1: Yes. 57% if I didn't say this already believe that we're not sinful at birth or rather we are born innocent. Holy cow. If this is what we believe, maybe this is we should die right. as <laughs> a <laughs>
0: Yeah, you said you said that maybe yeah, it's no wonder that the uh, the church seems to be falling apart at the seams if this is the case.
1: Yeah, you know, there was another recent survey that talked about It basically said, is um, the word of God authoritative or not? And most people answered, I get to pick and choose what I believe is true from the word of God. Uh, In other words, it's subjective, not objective, which means, wow, there's probably a small remnant of Christians, but nowhere as many as we think there are. Sign of sad. I'm going to bring up one more when we get to it that I'm saving. But yeah, (laughs) great. I want to say we would never find this in the (laughs) LCMS,
0: right? As you hit yourself pretty much, I have to
1: say that's not true,
0: right? I tend to I tend to be of the mindset that actually a lot because we were talking about this on the way down here. I think that there's a lot of LCMS congregations, people within maybe not the congregation, but certainly people within. Uh, within the church, even here at Christ of Savior, pro- certainly a family of God, because we combat this all the time. Certainly, there are people that don't fully understand. I think original sin, don't fully understand baptism, don't fully understand the Lord's Supper, and I think all of this goes back to the church and how <laughs> and how <laughs> how poorly that we've done.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, well, remember, 30%, 30% I have, of the people said I have a new,
0: I have a it's new a waste father. of time to study the creeds
1: or the yes, uh, yeah. historic confessions of the church. Well, yeah, it's a waste of
0: time if you don't believe it. Right, exact, exactly. Yeah. So you get your headset reset. I don't Back know. on. <laughs> With it. You can <laughs> We're so struggling here, can so you can so You when, can turn a noun into a verb. right. I just said go volley for me. So <laughs> you need to put your the my pick. there. You go. You no know, you're back in space. All right, good. You're back in the saddle. My goodness, it's it's been a week already. One of my favorite memes on Twitter. It says uh, it's a guy at the bar and he goes, "Man, what a week!" And the guy says, "Captain, it's only Wednesday." <laughs> like that's how I feel too. Yeah, it's been a week. Oh, it's only Wednesday. Um, yeah, those are those are good. Those are good follies, and I think follies—they
1: well, are fatal follies, by the way.
0: Yeah, it's it goes beyond just folly. It's actually, uh, it's yeah, it's endangerment of your of your self of the self ethic nature. Uh, of you know, if you're if you're if you don't believe that Jesus is God, I don't. So, what would you say then? Since we're on this topic, so someone's teacher
1: that's actually was the most chosen.
0: I, well, so, what would you Within say the church. To, within the church. Yeah. What would you say to somebody then who says, well, I believe that Jesus is the one who died and rose for me. He, I believe that I have forgiveness in his name, that he has restored me to the Father, uh, but I'm just not 100% sure that he's God.
1: Wow. Well, you know.
0: Because I, I would venture to say that there are a ton of people that are like that.
1: Well, you know, under, we have this discussion with some of our deacons. Sometimes you just have to believe what the word says, so in the beginning was the word the word was with God, the word
0: was God yeah
1: i don't understand that, neither do you, but I believe it because the word said so, and it's authoritative, and i don't get to say i don't know what that means, so i don't believe it right, but if you
0: don't if you don't believe if you don't believe in the authority of scripture. Does that disqualify you then from being a Christian? <laughs> These are the questions that we ask her. Nah,
1: jeez. Some things we mature into, so I would say that's fair. Mm, not initially.
0: Yeah, well, that's fair. I get that. You ready for my folly? I'm afraid. <laughs> Mine's very simple. Uh, go. We're gonna go to the world of TikTok. I don't have a TikTok. Uh, but I was—it was funny you brought this up at lunch because this was going to be my folly for the week. There was listening to the radio this morning, and they were talking about how the new trend. Remember, for like the longest time, the trend on TikTok was the Tide Pod challenge. You eat one of those laundry soaps that you throw. <sighs> no, I didn't know that, but I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so stupid. Protect
1: myself from that.
0: <laughs> so the the thing that um, the thing that is new on TikTok is you can I don't know if you marinate your chicken in NyQuil. Nyquil, yeah, and so when you boil it or you cook it, there's more of a psychedelic effect. Like it, you feel the effects of the Nyquil. You uh, you get that woozy feeling. You get the the clear. could you just nasal. cook it with mushrooms? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, but, but what's crazy? What's crazy is that um, TikTok has not like pulled these videos down. They're clearly dangerous, and they haven't pulled it down. They're like, uh, we're gonna let we're gonna let people make these choices. We're gonna let right, right. We're gonna let people die. We're gonna let people do this.
1: Read something as a people. We would read something like that and say, "I gotta try this."
0: Well, right. That's well. That's us speaking from experience with drug addicts. I hear that it's crazy. I'm gonna. If
1: Darwinism it. was true, we would all, all these people would be dead. Right. To try,
0: try this. Right, kind of right, exactly. But anyway, again, you I, ate five
1: crackers at lunch.
0: Well, oh, that is true. I in under in under sixty seconds. So I completed. Yes, you did. It was fifty-nine point two. It was fifty-nine point <laughs> two. So we'll I completed the that. saltine challenge today. So a five, TikTok challenge. Five, yes. five saltine crackers in under a minute with nothing to drink. And so, we had another uh, lady with us at lunch that. Tried to do that, and she got through what two and a half crackers. No, I don't think uh, one and a half, not even, not even that. Yeah, so. but she wasn't
1: really trying
0: hard. But yes, you're right. Yes, but that was fun. All right, so those are the follies this week. Not as not as exciting as some of the other ones, but uh, but that's okay. Yeah. Are you ready to roll? They are. So
1: it says meditre- meditations from Los Ungen, which would be I'd looked that up because that's not a German word I know, and actually it means solutions meditations from the solutions and what that has to do with psalm 54 i don't know that'll take some research
0: but could it just be that god God is is the help? help? yeah
1: the lord is the one who sustains me and right up top i'm going to say this one's weird because part a is marriage part b is suffering yeah Well, I'll let you make your own connections. (laughs) (laughs) What a strange uh, combination of expositions on that sentence. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. So how does it have to do with marriage? He goes right to to Genesis, right? Hmm. I will make a helper suitable for him, God says to Adam. And Bonhoeffer says, Perhaps this word has appeared to us in happier times, too narrowly as describing what marriage is. Uh, what is he saying there?
0: Perhaps this word appears to us in happier times, too narrowly as describing what marriage is.
1: All those promises and I was there that you made to Brandy at your marriage, you had no idea what you were signing up to. That's what I take it Yeah, to... I,
0: I tend to think that it's... Of course she's my helpmate. Right. That's kind of what I think too. I, yeah. Because it... you we... hadn't come into opposition yet. Well, yes, we had maybe not personal opposition. We had certainly experienced our own opposition uh, know, in our, not only
1: that the world is in opposition right. to a godly marriage. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was, um, you know, we we were having we were having these kinds of conversations, and you know, we've I think we actually talked about it on the podcast before. We had a lot of. It was one of those things where we like I remember vividly what it was like seeing her for the first time in her wedding dress. I remember what it was like to dance with her. I remember kissing her for the first time. I remember all these really wonderful things and I remember all I have all these positive memories about our wedding day. And then you know, we were going through some you know, we've been going going through some real tough things over the last couple of years and you know, marriage. We've we, we've talked about this in our marriage counseling. We've talked about this on the episodes about about marriage and stuff. Marriage is not all of that. It it takes on of it almost takes on like a mind of its own to a degree.
1: One could say reality intrudes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way good way of putting it. It's the you know the the world talks about you know the honeymoon period being over and yada yada like that. There is a lot of truth to that. Mm. And how you know once, once the rubber meets the road, it's it's different. I think that that's what he's. I think for sure that's what he's getting at. The world, the word has appeared to us in happier times too narrowly as describing what marriage is. And so we think, oh, a suitable helper. Let's
1: be honest. You weren't standing there next to her in front of me, saying to yourself secretly, "I hope I can get past her sinful nature." (laughs) Nor was she saying that to you about you. Right. Right. You're in this fantasy land that. And all of us, you know, we don't realize what we're actually engaging in is a war. Yeah. And so when reality comes, he's saying we need a helper. He's first right. saying we're helpers to each other in marriage, but he's also saying God is our helper. And I'm going to interpret that as God, the Holy Spirit, is our helper. Um, to help us when we can't do the things that we should, and have promised to do in marriage.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, I tend to agree with that as well. It's what it also suggests to me actually is that so I will create a suitable helper. It's actually that that man is helpless <laughs> when he's alone, and any guy that you that you talk to. Uh, <laughs> They tend to get themselves into a lot of trouble when they're by themselves. I know that was me, but we we need to be we need to be with other people. It's not just, you know, yeah, surely God is my help, you know. And certainly when God creates Eve, he's specifically talking about that with you know in the context of marriage, but I think just as a general rule of thumb, it's just that reminder that people are supposed to be in relationships with one another. Because alone, we are easily picked off. Alone, we are, It's Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes in Life Together, we are utterly alone.
1: Especially in sin, yeah Right.
0: So, um,
1: when we're standing there saying our marriage vows, believe it or not, I actually said them too. <laughs> um, we're saying things, but when he's saying on page 127, the reality is that we are called to sacrifice everything else, joy, pleasure, success. Gladly, if it will help the other, the wife or the husband, Uh, we say those words, but I don't think we know what those words mean until that reality bites and we discover that to be who God has called us to be as a a spouse means, gosh, difficult two words: selfless sacrifice, and I I would say. he writes as if this is the natural and norm thing here, when I would say it is the unnatural and norm uh, abnormal thing for the other spouse to routinely sacrifice everything else yeah. for their spouse. Why their would you say that? Is in trouble. Not in the wider sense of marriage, in in the worldly terms, because uh, worldly worldly marriage is based on it's it's a con- it's a contractual arrangement, and if I'm not getting out of it what I'm putting in or more, sure. I'm out of here. Yeah. And he's talking about some altogether different kind of marriage here, where you're willing to be um, sacrificial to become nothing, actually, for the sake of your spouse. And, boy, that's painful for me to hear, as <laughs> many others.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure.
1: Well, you don't have enough experience no. to answer. Do you? No, I don't. Well, maybe. Maybe, but then he goes to... What happens when I can't actually help my spouse? Oh, that's a difficult. That point. sucks. <laughs> when nothing I can say and nothing I can do can make any difference to the crisis that she's going through. In fact, if I say anything, it's probably negative, damaging. When you're utterly powers, powerless and utterly impotent in the face of whatever is troubling her, what do you do then?
0: Are you asking me?
1: Yeah, he has a solution. H-127 in the middle.
0: Yeah, I... Well, before we get to the solution, I, I would say what I have found, what we have found is that... You
1: mean the loss, the
0: solutions? Right. Um, it's probably... Because I'm, I'm a fixer. I'm a fixer by nature. I see an issue, and I don't like just letting it sit out there I want to I want to be able to do what I can to fix it right away. I don't like to let things just sit there and so uh, my wife and I have figured out that we have we have both of us had a lot of baggage both of us have a lot of things that were going on in our lives we both have battled different ment- mental illness, mental capacities, anxiety, depression things like that. And one of the things that when she would talk to me about some of the things that she was going through, I would be like, "Well, you shouldn't feel that way. You should do this. Yeah. You should do that." Yeah. That—that's the that's worst possible.
1: Get to sleep on the couch. That's yes.
0: how—that's the worst possible thing that I could have said to her was, "Well, you shouldn't feel this way." And I was talking with a good friend yesterday about this, and you know, there's nothing wrong when it comes to you know whether it's your spouse or a friend or you know therapy or whatever and you're talking about this kind of stuff it's okay just to say that is how you're feeling just affirming the way that they feel uh, whether it's right or wrong just i uh, recognizing that yes i see that you're feeling this way and so now when brandy and i have problems or issues or she's got something going on that's really that's really upsetting her i don't jump into fix it mode anymore I seriously just kind of let her I let her vent for a little bit. I tell her how much that stinks. I tell her how mu- you know, how much I wish that it would be different, but at the same time, I'm going to sit in the valley of the shadow of death with you. And I think that that's kind of That's
1: kind of a feminine I'm not talking about your wife. That's okay. That's kind of a feminine nature. I don't want you to tell me how to fix this. I want you to suffer with me first.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Or share my pain.
0: Share with yeah. And and I th- I think that, that goes beyond just I think that goes beyond just women. I think that that's that's for us too. You and I have experienced a lot of a lot of pain and a lot of suffering in our time at Family of God, and lots of people. We just had <laughs> we just had one of them with us at lunch today. Well, you should just remember that all of the people at Family of God are made in the image of God. And, you know, and it's you're there doing a, a wonderful job showing love Thank to them. Thank you for your
1: helpful advice, yes.
0: Right, to which, which is exactly what I said. I said, that's great in theory. That's great in principle. And the things that you are saying is true. They are God's children. They are loved by God. But at the same time, you weren't there when this guy got sucker punched and I had to hold him back. It is oh, very you're, you're difficult.
1: Too polite. I would say you weren't there when they were crapping all over
0: Right, right, exactly. I never said that, audience. <laughs> right, but you were, but yeah, but they were. It's it's so much different than just, you know, someone can say someone can say, well, you should do this, you should do that, you can do this, you can do that, than to actually experience that with you. I'm not looking for someone to fix that. I just want you to affirm that. Yeah, that's tough. And, and I'm going to be continuing to pray for you. I don't need, I don't need all that. I don't need you to say, well, here's what you should do in those situations. Because number one, you don't know what that's like. I know for a fact that you don't know what that's like, and that that can just be, that can just be kind of frustrating.
1: So I was going to add to that. Believe it or not, I heard you. What's worse than that is when somebody asks you, well, why didn't you? Oh yeah. Or even worse, you should have. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, where were you?
0: Right. Right, right. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we don't appreciate the thought behind that. It doesn't mean that we don't appreciate you or or the the amount of time and what you do for the ministry. It's just I've I've said this before and I I by no means mean to try to elevate ourselves above the volunteers cuz all of us are on the same team. But there's a difference between handling the things that are going on at a location like family of God with drug addicts with people who are tending to be violent and things like that dealing with it five days a week as opposed to once or twice a month and so when you're in it all the time
1: like six days a week it feels like
0: yeah that's that, that, yeah it's just like you're always you never get a break uh, it's just it's different it just hits different experience different it pulls on different different emotional strings it, it just it can be really really hard at times to do that and so when god i i resonate with this a little bit because you know when god says he makes a suitable helper yes he is certainly he's certainly talking in the confines of marriage but i also think that he's talking about our relationships and so uh, for all intents and purposes. We, you and I, are each other's suitable helpers for this ministry, for this place. Our volunteers are suitable helpers. Pat, Paul, Ron, they're helpers for us. Yeah, he
1: saw that in 150 years ago when our mutual ancestor had kids and you went off in your family line. Yeah. I, and my one, we're cousins, right. is what yes. I'm telling the audience.
0: Great, great, so, great, 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 great grandparents are related. fifth removed yes. or something like that. <laughs> something like that.
1: So he says the answer is surely, when you're in a situation where you he's talking a physical separation, but he's also talking about when you don't have an answer to say again in the middle of one twenty seven to say to the other, "Surely God is my help that could be good advice, and that could be very wretched advice if I were to say, in the midst of my wife's um, discussion of whatever is uh uh Causing her pain and difficulty to just look at her and say, "Well, God is your certain help in trouble, right?"
0: <laughs> and watch and your hands wipe my hands and, and walk haunt. away.
1: He'll handle it for you. Bad, bad move. So
0: I felt like that. I actually felt like that yesterday. I attended a funeral of another, you know, one of our young people, and the pastor. He, he sucked. So when it's he, a
1: chapel minister? That means they hired him. Uh. Funeral home hired him to do this service. Okay, so he's not. He there may not have even have well, known them.
0: The, even worse. Okay, <laughs> even worse. Uh, but his eulogy or his message, to everyone is trust God. Just trust God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He has the answers. Okay. Sorry, that's not helpful. That's not helpful to anyone, in my opinion. When, some, when you're going through a tragedy and, and your daughter's life has been tragically taken from you, and, and when, when things are pointing more and more towards either the use of drugs or, a, or an overdose or even an intentional overdose, trust God is not helpful. What I want to hear and what I was hoping to hear was from the minister that you have a God that is with you. You have a God who, has, who loves you, you have a God who has given His Son Jesus to die for you, and He sits in the crap with you, and even though, and we may not have the answers, and just because God has the answer doesn't mean that He's going to give it. It reminds me very much of the uh, the Calvinist. Uh, God is sovereign. Answer, which covers everything. Well, everything that we don't know. God everything is sovereign. and anything. Yes, yeah. I God know. is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And that's and that's great. But no, you're, when your wife is is telling you all of these different things about what's going on in her life, if I were to say, well, Psalm fifty four four says, the Lord is my help. Your help. Your help. Just walk yeah, away yeah. and then walk away. <laughs> yes, I'm going to be sleeping, not probably not on the couch in the garage with the well, spiders. The
1: cat will be on the couch. You'll be in the garage. <laughs> right. <now>. That's. <laughs> Right, right. So just not to manipulate Scripture, but in that situation, one should say, and I just said I didn't like it when people say that to me, um, surely God is our help. You're standing with your wife in this problem. You don't have answers. Um, You may not even have uh, comfort that is going to, to actually be effective, but you can stand with her and say we're going to, we are going to trust God in this matter. Yeah,
0: she's, not, ask, she's not, asking me not
1: advice like you trust God. Right? I'm gone.
0: She's texting me right now about uh, housing allowance because my wife is trying to get everything situated so that she can be a called worker. Ask me about a housing allowance and if she should claim one from from there. So I just text her back and say, "Well, the Lord, <laughs> the, the Lord is your help. Trust in God." <laughs> That's essentially what he's at. What he, they're telling you with this, mm-hmm. and what a minister that that just harps on those uh, platitudes, they're they're not helpful. I think you can actually make an argument that they do more hurt than good.
1: It separates us from the person who has the problem or the challenge. Yeah. Might as well say, why don't you pray about it and walk away?
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's like... uh, would, would someone—that's a great out, actually, if, if someone asks you to do something that you don't want to do. You just say, I'll pray about it, and then you don't get back to them. I'm still praying about it. Lutherans are great at that. They do that all the time. Yeah. I'll pray about it. Oh, you want to go on this mission trip? I'll pray about it.
1: Could we do it now? Well, no, I'm too busy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not the right. mission trip, the prayer.
0: Right. Uh,
1: he goes on to say here, the person undergoing the struggle, whoever that is, should be able to say to the other, the one who's trying to be supportive, boy, I can't ever imagine this actually happening. Don't worry about me. I'm cared for. Have no fear. I'm not left alone. Surely God is my help.
0: Um, be comforted okay. and I will be comforted, he says. Yeah.
1: Wherever the Lord is, he stands by me and helps me, and he's the one who sustains me. That kind, I, I just, I don't believe in our collective or individual fallen natures we're capable of, that, capable of that kind of distancing ourselves from our own problems and those who we expect who are to support us in our times of trouble yeah. to say don't worry I don't know what you mean when you say don't worry about me If I say don't worry about me I usually mean worry about uh, <laughs> <them>. <laughs> I don't want you to be obvious about war- worrying about me But uh, it's not saying, oh, go about your life, don't care about me. It doesn't mean that at all.
0: Is that like when your wife says, I'm fine? Yeah, you know you're in trouble. (laughs) What's wrong? Nothing? Nothing, yes. I'm fine. I actually, so I was thinking about this. The whole, you know, the Lord is my help. these These are true things. But the problem with these kinds of statements, and I appreciate the angle that he's coming from with this, but the, I don't know if he's, and again he's writing this, you know, 70 years ago, and maybe more than that, even maybe even closer to 80. But, I love
1: it when guys who've never been married write about marriage. By right. the way, right. yeah, that's the other. That's, an
0: yeah, aside. that's the other. <laughs> right? But I, I also think that when he writes this, he's not taking into consideration the fact that man does not trust very well. Man, man does not trust. Man does not trust the words of God which is precisely, I just gave a sermon about this at Concordia on Tuesday, precisely why he gives us stuff to sink our teeth into. So he gives us the water of baptism to which to attach our faith to. He gives us bread and wine to consume, to eat, to touch, to taste, so that we know and assure. Because if you just tell, well, God forgives you, God forgives you, God forgives you, but we, we don't have those tangible reminders. It's very easy for us to say, yeah, that's great, but those are just words, and yes, they are the words of God. But in our human nature and our sinful struggle, it's tough. It's tough to trust God. Why should I trust that you are my help when you're the one who took my daughter from me? Right? I mean, those these are practical things that that people that people might say. Why, how can I trust in the words of of a God that I don't understand, that I don't get? And and I think that that's th- those are very real things and real issues that people that people encounter on a day to day basis, especially in our neighborhood, don't you think? Mm-hmm. And certainly we
1: hear all, almost every day insoluble problems. I mean, yeah. Had all the resources of the federal government and every every power except God's, some of these problems could not <laughs> right, be resolved. Right. This could not be resolved. Yeah. Um, so an example, a woman came to talk to me Monday. Oh, is this she the bought house? a $5,000 yeah. house from the land bank. I'm looking at the pictures, and she had pictures of everything. And she says, I need help to fix this house. And I'm looking at it thinking, there is, <laughs> this is barely a house. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no plumbing, no uh-huh. electricity, no wiring. And the listeners who don't realize this, if you are in... One of these communities fixing up a house as fast as you fix it, somebody's coming at night to take out what you put right. in, yep. and so i I didn't coldly say I couldn't help, her. I was you know evasive and said, "Let me yeah. think about this." Then I talked to Deacon Paul and he says. Oh man, that's like a fifty thousand dollar job. Right. House, yeah. Okay. I'm not yeah. signing up for that, that five thousand dollar house.
0: House that size with that. Yeah. It's the same reason why we won't put air, put con- central air in our in our church or those units outside because yeah. people are waiting to, em. to hawk them and you just swoop in and take them. That's just not what. That's it's not practical. Well,
1: just leading others into sin. I say cynically.
0: Well, yeah, that's true too.
1: So if we cannot help someone, I'm on page 120, if we cannot help someone, do we get the to, um I don't know, too strong, write them off and entrust them to God and say, surely God is your help? And he answers this by saying um, the question, should we stop caring for one another if we cannot help that person? He says, certainly not. By no means. Yeah, But it is true that we cannot help the other if God does not help us. And so that's kind of slightly breathtaking because Mm -hmm. I, myself, am constantly, okay, how can I fix this? Rarely do I say, God, how can we fix this? It has to be really bad before I say that. (laughs) Oh, my God. And it usually has to be personal or psychiatric problems, not physical problems.
0: God, how can we come up with $50,000 to fix this woman's (laughs) house? Well,
1: yeah, it's just impossible in that case. Then I'm going to generalize here before we get to the second half. He's saying, I think, that part of marriage, like this sort really stinks, interpret your own, interpose your own word there for stinks, that we are married to one another to help us through God to prepare us for eternal life.
0: Right.
1: Holy cow. Uh-huh. How do I know what it means to live sacrificially? You don't know unless you've, been, <laughs> unless you've been married or you're a mother, right? What does it mean to die to self? Pretty much you need a spouse. In order,
0: you're right. Order to die to man. self means go Bachelors to. Bachelors are not
1: too good at dying to self. So he says here, by his will, God has given us our marriage. By his will, we stand by each other. By his will, God stands by us and preserves us. By His will, He presents our body, soul, spirit, faultless, so that we, with body, soul, and spirit, can stand before God through all eternity. What's interesting to me about that is we always think of um, justification, salvation, in an individual sense. He's got it. He's speaking in a marital, the two of you sense are. God is going to preserve you both. He'll present both your bodies and souls and spirits faultless as if, I don't know why we don't think of it like this, because we really do think of our relationship with God as, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, between him and I and not between us and I. And that's, if you think like that, it kind of might cause you to rethink other things, right? He says a little later, on the way there, we help each other the way ahead there is to heaven. We help each other, commit one another to him who alone can preserve us and who throughout eternity will transfigure our body. I would, in English, would say more clearly, our bodies, our souls, and our spirits into a new eternal life. Right. And wow. Most of us think of marriage as a... uh, Earthly thing and not, not a uh, you know. There's no marriage in heaven, so right. you know, we'll something just, we get through and then it's over. Yeah. But he's speaking of it differently. How does that strike you?
0: That there's no marriage in heaven.
1: No, that the marriage is a mutual effort to get each other across the yeah. threshold of heaven.
0: No, I think that's a. I, I was actually thinking about this. Um, one of the things that I discovered very early in my marriage, I mean, I've always known that I was a sinner, but when I got married, the magnifying glass got held up to me, and it was like, yeah, you are a sinner. it yeah, wasn't in
1: your marriage, vow, no, was it? it <laughs> wasn't.
0: It wasn't. But here's the thing that I think, and I've, I've given this at uh, just about every single wedding sermon that I've ever given since I've been ordained. Love is not what holds your marriage together. Forgiveness is. And so... At the end of the day, I know that I've said this before because I heard it on a podcast and I've used it before, used it with other people. Marriage, at the end of the day, is two sinners sleeping in the same bed. It's it's that's what it is. Occasionally, occasionally, right? (laughs) Every time you get in trouble, you're (laughs) on the couch. Okay, but you are you are doing life close, close, very close, intimately close with another sinner. And when you are living life and doing life and all the things that that. A marriage entitles and you have two sinners, two desperately s- sick and sinful people, you are going to have some major things happen. And each other's sin is going to be exploited. It's going to be magnified. And we talked about this at the Bible study today. The Christian life is not getting better. The Christian life is daily dying and rising and becoming more and more acute, acute? acutely aware of your need for a savior and so this so
1: we could say sorry evangelicals you don't wake up each morning thinking how much holier you are you wake up each morning and say how much more sinful you are right right exactly true path
0: yeah I agree and my marriage has shown me just how sinful I am it's also made me that much more greater that I have a I have a wife who forgives me. I'm grateful that she loves me, but I am so thankful. love you thankful. more than your cats,
1: but okay.
0: <laughs> right. But I'm so thankful that she forgives me. And she has said those words to me when I've needed to hear them most. And when I don't even believe them myself, she has said, I forgive you for this. I was, I was a real jerk not too long ago. And it was one of those things where she said it at the beginning when I apologized to her, I forgive you. But then she said it again like two or three days later because I still was feeling like garbage about it. And I said, I apologize again. And she said, I truly do forgive you. Not that she didn't forgive me before, but she said it again because I didn't even believe the words that came out of her mouth again. That was my own fault. And so you just are reminded. Yes, there is that sense that the person you're helping each other get across the threshold of heaven, as our prayer on Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons would say. But it's not because they're carrying you. It's not because they're making you better or it's because they're reminding you that you are a sinner. And after all, Christ died for sinners. And so we just become more intentionally aware of who we are before Jesus and so, so much I'll, more. I I'll give grateful you a visual that.
1: image that's probably theologically suspect, mm-hmm. but it's like a three-legged race.
0: Okay. I'm listening. It's a
1: three-legged race.
0: Something that I am not good at.
1: Well, you know, it takes another person, right? Yeah, and
0: you got to be and- in you got to be in step Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. My left, your right. My left, your right. Those kinds of things.
1: You gotta have a rhythm, right? Right. Oh
0: yeah. I found that it's actually better when you go, you actually say as you're talking, you go outside, inside, outside, inside. How right. many of these races have you been in? <laughs> my mom likes to do Olympics oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> when we're all uh, together for the Fourth of July. End. Okay. <laughs>
1: But yes. So he, he before we go to the next thought he says, On the way there paradise, I think we already said Yeah. We help each other, commit one another to him who alone can preserve us and throughout eternity will transfigure our body, our soul, our spirit. And again that collective way of thinking is like so outside American norms. Um, I don't probably outside German norms too, by the way. Um, yeah. it's um a very unique way of looking at marriage, I guess. Um, not incorrect, but maybe uncomfortable way to look at marriage. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. That's Never hold. Yeah. Hear Joel Osteen preach on Psalm 3419.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, because he doesn't have troubles. No troubles.
1: First sentence. We're going to have to interpret this because... The righteous man suffers within the world. The unrighteous man does not. On what level is that (laughs) pause? Unrighteous men suffer all the time. Their children die from fentanyl overdose. They have, uh, they're laid off from their jobs. They have wives who walk out of their lives um, or wives who have their husbands walk out of their lives. So he's not saying that only the righteous suffer in the world, um, but the righteous suffer, he doesn't quite say it this way, the righteous suffer from the world. How is that yes. different? Suffering from the world as opposed to suffering in the world.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good distinction because we, we talk about this when we're about to baptize people at Family of God. Like, you think that your life was bad now, you think that you've had struggles now? Just wait until God gets a hold of you, because right now you're playing for Team Satan, and He's happy about that. So you're not going to receive persecution from the world. You'll receive, like you said, persecution in the world, but you're not going to be directly persecuted from the world. Right? You're not going to receive suffering from the world. So the, approval from right. So you're not going to you're not going to need to uh right now you're not experiencing the kind of the persecution you know you're not going to be martyred for your faith you're not going to have your fingers cut off you're not going to have your head cut off you're not going to be burned at the stake for your, for, for your faith or anything like that but what ends up happening as the righteous people i think it's is it peter peter promises that those who even attempt to or is it paul one of the two. Paul writing to Timothy. Yeah, Paul Okay, Paul writing to Timothy. Thank you. Um, even those who attempt, those to, who live attempt to live a godly life faith. will suffer.
1: Yeah, that first comes up in my mind all
0: too often. Right. You don't even—what he's saying there is that you don't even need to be truly living a godly life, just trying to, which is what we're all hopefully trying to do.
1: But the, those— Put on uniform. Sit on the bench and they'll still smash you to Right.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so when it comes to comes to the unrighteous, right? So what he's talking about the unrighteous is those who are outside of the faith, those who are have not been deemed to be clothed by the righteousness of Christ, those who are not in faith. They are not suffering in the same way. They are suffering, but they're not suffering in the same way as the Christian because the world has them. They're still in they're still in the kingdom of darkness. Meanwhile, the righteous, they're in the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of darkness is doing everything that they can to try to pull them back into the darkness. And so they suffer in a little bit of a different way than, actually I could say it's a much different way.
1: I can't remember which first or second, Peter doesn't matter. He talks about suffering for Christ as opposed to suffering in in the world. Natural suffering is no credit to you, uh, but if you're suffering... For the sake of Christ, then it is actually a credit to you and a blessing, uh, even though we don't want to. Say. He's going to say, I don't know if he's going to say blessing here several times.
0: Yeah, well, he also, yeah, he says in cost I've always reminded this in cost of discipleship, right? He says that uh, he says that consider suffering a badge of a badge of honor. Mm. Okay, thanks.
1: How do I know I belong to Christ? You're suffering. I am suffering. Uh huh. I'm not suffering. This is my reverse. If I'm not suffering, and maybe something's not too healthy in my spiritual right. life. But he says here, a righteous man suffers in the face of unrighteousness, meaninglessness, and I'm going to say wrong. Uh, and then he goes to marriage. He suffers when the divine orders of marriage and family are destroyed.
0: So oh, welcome to, to 2022.
1: When, what's he saying when he... he, he telescopes that down to marriage as an example I know what marriage ought to be I look around in the world and what is what is marriage if there is marriage in the world
0: tainted tarnished um no, marriage, certainly not godly. No, marriage is in a, a worldly marriage is we're getting together because we love each other. We're declaring our love publicly to one another. It's not a union. It's
1: beneficial. Yeah,
0: we get a tax break. We get all those things. Um, you know, we've been living together. It's time. I've heard that before, uh, and things like that. It's not because it has nothing to do with commitment. It has nothing to do with with anything that that's godly. This is just what we're supposed to do, and then if it doesn't work out, then we scrap it and start over it's I, I heard one time and I agree with this it's a business arrangement go ahead. A business arrangement I heard one time uh, say, and I agree with this. I think that the the reason that divorce rates are are so they continue to go up, and it's so much easier to divorce somebody when you don't have the Christian marriage. When you don't, when your relationship is not centered in Jesus, it is so much easier to divorce, because it, it's not a godly marriage, and so you don't what care if no you break false, it or not. No
1: fault divorce mean right. It means you know, clean break, walk away. Right. Everyone that I've encountered, males in this situation, it's never been a clean break, walk away by the well, way. agony not. involved right. in it, especially for Christian men. Right. He's saying here. Not direct suffering. He's also talking about indirect suffering. He doesn't say that, but when I see what marriage has become—sticking to marriage in the world—then I am suffering. Um, I can't divorce myself. I shouldn't use that word. Separate myself. <laughs> Separate myself from the world and say, so, "Well, I have a godly marriage. The heck with them." He's talking about righteous men feeling pain suffering because marriage is not what god has chosen it to be directed it to be commanded it to be and so that causes suffering to the righteous man as he says as the righteous man says it should not be so it is against god the world says it's always been like this and must be so
0: (laughs) right (sighs) it's always been like this
1: except Right world, in Lutheran, it's right not in like Lutherans. it's always been like this because you're spiraling out of control, and what was five years ago unacceptable is now acceptable, right? Yeah. God knows where we'll be in five more years. So <laughs> um, I don't know. If, I don't know if we would say suffering. But we have a Christians should have. I don't know. Maybe a discontent or fear over the moral direction of our country in whatever aspect you want to uh, choose but good news the divorce rate's down oh that's great well the divorce rate's down because the marriage rate is down so you never got to the point where getting divorced so wow so goes on to say not all human suffering is helped but by God but in the suffering of the righteous there is always God's help because he suffers with God. So, as we feel whatever level of pain we feel as we watch the righteousness of the world descend into crap, uh, into garbage, yes, okay. Um, God feels it ult- so much more, ultimately more than we do the pain and the suffering, because we say that's not how God wanted it to be. God says, that's not how I wanted it to be, and so we suffer together.
0: How is this kind of suffering then? So if it hurts man, hurts God, why does Dietrich call it a blessing? Because he clearly calls it a blessing. Blessing meaning to lay the hand upon the shoulder and say, despite everything, you belong to God. So that's kind of, to me, that's going back to, to what we said before. Hey, I know that you're really struggling, but God's got this.
1: I don't know if that me. I wrote myself a note here during your Bible class. Not that it wasn't a good Bible class. I
0: was, you weren't listening. I you weren't wrote, listening about Jesus. I, and I can the, second article <laughs> of the creed. Multitask at, at the level of two. But
1: <laughs> a blessing speaking a blessing into a situation that is clearly godless, even more than godless, anti God, puts us in a position where we have the opportunity to speak the gospel Right into a wounded culture. Not that they're going to listen, but the blessing is instead of returning evil for evil, wherever that is in the in the scriptures, we are to t- return, e- not evil for evil, but what?
0: Overcome evil with good. That's Romans. Yeah,
1: and the ultimate good is the gospel. So right. how can we, as Christians, speak a blessing on corruption? We can call... We can call the corrupt to repentance, Yeah. commend them to the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh, that was in my survey. <laughs> 60% of Christians, evangelical Christians, don't believe the Holy Spirit is an actual person in the Trinity, just a force. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> Denny, we commend can use that the, person use the to force? the Holy Spirit. Like in Star that situation. Wars? situation, yeah. The force. The force. Yeah. That doesn't mean approving of what is happening, but we can speak God's word. Mm, I don't. It's much easier to speak the law into a situation like that, right? Yeah. Uh, Far more difficult. I'm going to give you a difficult situation, and you're going to hate me later. Great. (laughs) Um, It's far more difficult to speak the gospel into a situation. So, wow, you're confronted by a newly married gay couple. Oh, it's so easy to take out the law and beat them into the ground. That's not enough. I'm not saying don't speak the law to them, but it's insufficient.
0: Yeah, how yeah, do you that's bless
1: them by telling them not only the truth, but the other truth? Christ died for you,
0: right? Yeah, and I think that that's that's really where the the distance has come between. Not just, and it's not just. It goes beyond just gay marriage too. It's it's all things it's addicts it's whatever subject yeah whatever the subject is it it's not it's like you talked about before you hit and you hit and you hit with the law but if you go too far with the law they're going to it's it's not true but for lack of a better term it's it gets to a point where they're almost beyond redemption because they've been hit so far into the ground yeah. that when you speak the gospel especially if it's kind of like an afterthought then then, the, well, you just hit me over the head with like, why should I believe you? And that's not to say that I don't mean that at all. That that anyone is beyond redemption because they're not. I don't want that to be confused. But you're right. A gay couple comes to you and says, Pastor, we want you to marry us. And the way that I've always addressed that is not or just approve our marriage, right? Or approve our marriage. And the way that I've described that has just been, don't you, don't just say that well, God, this is not the way of God, this is not, this is not right, it's not godly, it's not God-honoring, this is wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. The way that I think we can approach something like that is in a loving way and say, it's not just your sexuality that's broken, mine is too. All of our sexuality is broken. And so let me tell you what God has done to redeem that. Right, God has given Himself for that, and you so yeah, you can become a blessing to that. And then, if they decide, you know what, we don't want this, we don't want to listen to you, we'll go find someone else. At that point, you say, Okay, but you have spoken into that, and they've heard the gospel from you, they've been told that what they're what they and anyone else is not of God, and just like. All sin is not of God. But God redeems that. Yeah,
1: so you have to, you know, it, it's so easy to say, don't you know, I'm paraphrasing Scripture, that no one who is homosexual, homosexual will ever enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> right. You're damned. Right. I'm, I'm out of here. Walk yeah. away. Right. That's so easy. It's very easy. But it's only that. half the story. Right. And so you have to find a way to bless, bless them with the, truth, the gospel, without, here's the tricky part, approving of what they're doing. Right. And so yeah. um, so that's, the pro- that's the opposite problem. You just pour the gospel on the situation and says, hey, God understands. Right, It's all right. Um, no, you have to actually say wrong is wrong.
0: Right. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So,
1: my favorite verse as we're wrapping up on suffering as a Christian <laughs> is military. Second Timothy 2, 3. See if you know this. Paul writes, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. That <laughs> resonates with uh-huh. me. First he says, share. Yep. Who am I sharing with? My fellow Christians, but also with Christ himself. And so uh, it's like none of us wants to hear that. Suffering is an essential part of your job description. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Yeah. But it is.
0: Well, it's it's like you said before, if you're not suffering, you probably need to take a look at your life choices. Yeah,
1: because that means I'm aligned too close with the world. Right. Uh, Or maybe aligned
0: too close. Right. Because you're not righteously suffering, if that makes sense.
1: It's so easy just to... to Another problem is when we uh, segregate ourselves and say, I'm not part of the world and... uh, they're all doing these evil things, but I'm not, we're not. We're righteous over here, in quotes, righteous, and not in quotes, they can go to hell. That's yeah. not godly either.
0: No, at all.
1: You have to engage them, as painful mm-hmm. as that is. Got to yeah. find a way to tell them the truth and bless them with the other truth that Christ loves them and died for
0: them because Christ dies for sinners. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, a little bit of a shorter episode, I think. I don't know because we got cut off again. This computer is starting to really irritate me, but that's okay. But it was good to be with everyone. As always, uh, make sure you guys go to the website, uh, check us out, and come and see us, uh, rate, review, share, all that good stuff that you do with all your podcasts that helps to make this podcast a little bit more um, accessible to others we appreciate all of you that have done that that have supported the podcast that listen that support the ministry we cannot do what we do without you we are so grateful for you so go with god's peace today go with his blessing and we will talk with you next week for a brand new episode episode number 99 you're gonna to want to be in for that one we'll have something special for that have something special for 100 and then we'll decide if we want to do 100 more episodes. Right, Pastor Hill? Right. <laughs> so, have a great weekend, everybody. If no one's told you yet, God loves you, and so do we. Take care. I'm Ed, pretty sure we you may news. want to edit
1: this. Okay. Paul, if you, Paul were walking around in 2022, 2022, look around, see our society, I'm not sure he'd have the guts to say, chief of sinners,
0: though I be. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> He'd probably be As like, "These things
1: are going on now. He
0: never imagined this would happen." Right. He'd probably be like, "Hey, uh, yeah, I, what I did was pretty bad, but guys, you really shouldn't need. To, you really need to stop doing this. Uh, that's that's funny. I, I, <laughs> yeah, he he funny. does I'm write sure about that in Romans one, yes, he does.
1: chapter one. It's like, And they imagine new sins that nobody, <laughs> yeah. nobody has devised yet. Here they come. They're right, pulling right, them off right. the print press.'"